Welcome in to our second edition of We'll Get There Eventually, WGTE Radio. I am your host, Dan Tortora, with my co-host, Hunter, who is here with us weekly. And we're here for you on your TGIF lunch break every Friday at noon Eastern time is when we get uploaded to the DTBM network. You can go to dtbmnetwork.podbean.com, and you can also get the links on our at WGTE Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You'll be able to get the link to the show there as well. So you just go to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at WGTE Radio, or you can go to dtbmnetwork.podbean.com and get the shows there as they come up to you for We'll Get There Eventually. It's a show about everything, so that's why we'll get there eventually. Hunter, how you doing today? Um, the pollen gods have come upon me here in Charleston. <laughs> Dude, I am so phlegmy right now. I'm, I mean, it's, I'm so, I'll try to get through this. Uh, you know about pollen, but you guys won't get it till what, May or something like that? Uh, I think it's November now. November? <laughs> and, yeah, well, you know, and there's a, there's a thing about it. So there, I'm allergic to two things. I, I'm definitely allergic to this pollen. It's the yellow kind, yeah. you know, which is the worst kind. And, um, and then, uh, I, I know in the spring, in, in uh, Syracuse proper especially, y'all familiar with the skeet tree, right? You, you know, it, it's that tree that has that scent, Dan. You know what I'm talking about. Skeet, 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 skeet trees. <laughs> yeah. So it's a deciduous pear. Did you know this? It, it's I, I looked this up because you'd be driving through Syracuse and it's happening right now. Yeah. And you'd be like, what, what is that smell? I know that smell. Ladies, you know that. We all know the smell. And and I'm like, is little John up in this? And, and it's, it's, it's a deciduous pear tree and it smells funky. So I'm getting that in the pollen right now, dude. So I'm going to try to get through this. Throat's a little sore. It's been a long week, you know? Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that's how I end up feeling now is I get it from, I, I get it in my nose, my throat, the back of my ears, all of that. I know all the tubes that are connected to, I can do all that. Like I can do like an entire sinus, take the head apart on, on one of the, uh, one of the you know the the displays and show you where everything is because I get it now I'm allergic to pollen I I realize there's levels which they never told me like Drake there's levels to this thing and it, it dust they I don't have a dust allergy I have a category four like a hurricane dust five is the highest you can go I am a four on dust which means that I am highly 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 allergic to dust. To which I said to my doctor, well, thank God that there's no dust that collects anywhere because dust is only one of the most frequently, when you dust away things, more dust comes. So, yeah, I mean, I my allergies are all the time, but I will say the cold air hits my allergies more and kind of puts me in this like little breathing thing where I feel like there's less oxygen. So I, I also am a true believer I have, I have central New York allergies or state of New York allergies because I don't necessarily feel them when I'm outside of the area, so that's something that I can appreciate. But, yeah, I, I have New York allergies. I definitely do. You should come down to Charleston. What's it doing up there? Let me guess. Is it snowing? It is snowing, and it's supposed to be – it's in the – This we can't get out of the 30s and the 40s, and it's going down to 13. It's going down to 20 again. It looks like we're going to be riding 30 and 20 for a while, so – Oh, wow. Well, you know, I can say this. I think we're both getting a little bit. Uh, tomorrow is Valentine's Day. I know you're cuffed up. I'm not cuffed. <laughs> so I can just say, because of these allergies, ladies, I think we can say unequivocally, nothing is more attractive than a good old lymph node infection. Am I correct? <laughs> yeah. I, I got, I'm, I'm starting to get the one on the side. Yeah, you know, when, you're, when you press, you press right here. Mine is, mine is right here. Mine, if I press on it, I can feel 
that that's where like it almost feels like you like you bruise something right there. I, I yeah, guess. yeah. I'm yeah, my, my, how would I describe my lymph nodes right now? I would describe my lymph nodes as a cheesecake factory with a Baker Mayfield hookup. Twice. Nice. <laughs> Come on, Dan, that was good. <laughs> nice. Can, can nice. <laughs> nice. Can we, can we talk about that for a second? I don't go to Cheesecake Factory a lot. It's overpriced. It's too I'm overpriced. Not I, I know, I know, I know. All right, so Baker Mayfield, because I lived in Cleveland for a while, and there's there's no question. Did hey, you do that on purpose? What? Well, I I worked there in radio. Okay. Um. So, uh, and then you know, because you're there, you kind of get sucked into the whole Browns lore. I know this isn't uh, well, this is a show about everything. So there's a curse. Like Brady Quinn was there, that didn't work out. Johnny Manziel, that was a debacle. They've gone through I don't know how many coaches, right? And then yeah. the Baker Mayfield stuff drops, and I don't know if you saw this. You saw this. You had to have, right? What? Are you talking about the Cheesecake Factory? Go ahead. Just go ahead with it. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm talking about the girl. So this girl blows up Baker Mayfield's spot and basically says, uh, we hooked up at a Cheesecake Factory, yo, and then we got in the back of a Range Rover, yo, and, like, things happened. I'll leave it at that. Let's just say she eased the seat back or he's the seat back. Yeah. And so she blew him up, right? And, and, and this is like a month after he got married, right? So this, and now another girl's come out and said the same thing happened to her. She met, uh, uh, Baker somewhere, allegedly. This is all allegedly. And I'm just hoping that that restaurant was either a Golden Corral or an Applebee's because I think that says love. If you go, hey, I'm going to get you two for 20 and I'm going to get you a margarita, a dollar margarita, and then let's go back to the rover. Two women blew him up, man. Two. This is the thing, though. I mean, in the world that we live in today, in in all honesty, it, it, it's very. I feel like you you have to have if you're in the entertainment world, you have to always have a paper with you at all times. Where if a girl or a guy is with you and says, "Hey, I, I you know I, I'd like to take this one step further," you go, "Okay, that's fine. Just sign here, initial here, initial here, sign there." And just prick your finger and put that right there, put that blood mark there, because it, it's it, we live in a world like that now where. You know, sometimes, and, and granted, some of these people are doing things that are wrong, and then and other people are doing things that are consented, but I don't know. I feel like you just kind of have to have a sheet ready to go at all times. You know what I'm going to tell you, Dan? I'm going to only disagree with you on one thing. I think love in the back of the Cheesecake Factory is never wrong. <laughs> I think, well, well, Drake had that line that I loved when he was in it, where he says, why you always want to fight with me at Cheesecake? You know I love to go there. So, I mean, I yeah. I can appreciate it. You know what's funny, too? Because Cheesecake Factory always got, got pulled into the, like, the NFL. Who is the one quarterback for the Titans? And he blew, like, all his money at Cheesecake Factory. He'd go in there and, like, throw these crazy parties. Was it, was it Vince Young? Yeah. Yeah, and it was like, what is it, man? I mean, I love Cheesecake Factory. I'm not down in Cheesecake Factory at all. It's delicious, but it's just like, you know. <laughs> anyway, that's what my lymph node situation is right now. Cheesecake Factory after a, a lean-back seat Range Rover Baker Mayfield situation. So he, It says go. that Vince Young allegedly spent $5,000 a week at Cheesecake Factory. Yeah, I heard that. I heard it was even more. I heard it was something like nine grand or something. And I think, yeah, I mean, it, uh, that's a lot of money. I mean, it, technically, it's just like it's like two burgers and a, and a piece of cheesecake. The way that the prices are there now, but five thousand dollars a week, and he's apparently he's million dollars in debt. And they said he once spent fifteen thousand dollars at Cheesecake Factory. Fifteen thousand. I want to see where this where this leads us to. So he's between he was between one million and ten million dollars 
allegedly in debt and had at one point spent $15,000 for a single trip at the Cheesecake Factory, admitting that it was, quote, the most I ever spent on a meal in my life. So that was one meal at Cheesecake Factory for $15,000. I want to ask our listeners, I mean, if you got the money, I I mean, I'm not going to tell you to do this, but to just find a way mathematically to spend $15,000 at a Cheesecake Factory. No way. I mean, he was like the MC Hammer of the Cheesecake Factory. He had he had to have his crew with him, right? And then some ladies. Well, you know that MC Hammer had gold toilet seats and gold. <laughs> he, had, he, had, he had the gold things that you didn't need. Like, you sat on gold to go number two. That's not, that's oh, not no. a, a life for me. Well, Hammer, too, I know that he would pay somebody like $35,000 just to stand by the stage. Like, he, he had so many people on the stage. And that's what he would do. So I don't know, man. I, that, I don't have that kind of money, man. I get mad when I spend two for 20. That's so, what I'm saying. So the thing is, you look at gold. This is our segue. Gold toilet seats, gold awards, the Oscars. What do you What do you think about I mean, the Oscars, the thing with it now is it used to be a place where, you know, white men always won. And now it's a place where it looks like it's getting more open. My problem with it is, is are they giving awards to women and to people of color and to people who speak other languages because their movies are good or are they doing it because they're trying to PC the Oscars? I'm hoping that they're doing it for the right reasons, but I get a sense that they don't want to piss anybody off, which I I would not want to win an award if I, I don't want to win an award for my movie for any other reason other than the fact that my movie is good. So I just I, I don't I don't know if the Oscars are getting with the times or I don't know if they're they're actually appreciating the movies out there. What do you think? Uh, well, I think one you're always going to piss somebody off nowadays. It's it's quite simple, easy way to do it. So I think people are more aware. But uh, I can say, like for instance, Laura Dern, she was in uh, A Marriage Story. Did you see that? That's the one on Netflix, right? Yeah. Is so I, one? so I have not. That's the one that's on my list to see. I know her from Jurassic Park. Right. Okay. So yeah. basically, Kylo Ren is in that. Um, I always call him Kylo Ren, and it I, it basically paralleled my whole life because I went through a divorce. It's really uh, it's a great movie. Adam Driver, or I call him, uh, uh, but it's really good. Uh, I think when he was in court with her getting taken, he should have done the Kylo Ren shrug uh, before he got out. <laughs> but Laura Dern is in it, and she was fantastic. Uh, she was very unlikable she was really good in the movie um so i felt that that was well deserved i did not see parasite but i've heard really really good things and i didn't know what parasite was because i saw the uh poster and i thought okay maybe this is some sort of apocalyptic uh show or something like that but i guess it's about people who who actually squat or something like that or uh try to sneak into people's i'm not really sure what it's about but i've heard great things and i know they're making a tv show out of it and i think mark ruffalo is going to star in that if i'm not mistaken so it says, a poor family, the Kims, con their way into becoming the servants of a rich family, the Parks, but their easy life gets complicated when they when their deception is threatened with exposure, is, is, the, uh, is the synopsis for it. Yeah, I mean, I wanted it to be, a, you know, a, a, like a coronavirus type thing, but, you know, I heard that's really good. I thought Brad Pitt, who was well-deserved, I mean, you know, for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and he's never won an award. Joaquin, uh, absolutely well-deserved. Yeah. I'm just trying to remember everything else, but, I mean, I, I felt, I don't know if there's a pressure, maybe maybe there is, um, I, I don't know, but, I mean, the majority of the, the list I looked at was like, okay, you know, I, I can see all these people in these movies winning and well-deserved from what I see. I did like some of the jokes that they had. Uh, Chris Rock had a great one. He looked at Martin Scorsese and he said, 
I, I love the first season of The Irishman on Netflix. I thought that that was good. So, you know, and then also making the statement that back in like 1929, there was one or there was there were no African-American nominees. And in 2020, there was one. So then Steve Martin said progress. So, you know, I mean, they, they did try to make some light of some stuff. I thought that Janelle Monet in the beginning, her entire performance was really cool because she is an entertainer. And a lot of the stuff that she does, I mean, her, her singing voice is fantastic, but I thought that it was really cool what they did. I thought the dancing jokers were cool. But uh, when we look back at it, best picture was Parasite. Uh, best actress, Renee Zellweger for Judy, for the Judy Garland movie. Yeah, which what, I, what's that even about? I don't know what that was. It's about Judy Garland's life. So, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I didn't see that one either. It's supposed to be good. Uh, Scarlett Johansson was up there for Marriage Story. There's one movie I, I went to go see. Uh, and I don't know if you saw it, but uh, did you see the movie about about the uh, the bomber where they thought that it was the guy that was the security guard, but it wasn't? It was. Um, and I'm gonna. Yeah, and and it was it was the one that Kathy Bates was in. So that was uh, that was best supporting actress. Let me. It, it was uh, it was called Richard Jewell. Richard Jewell was it? So. I I cannot do Kathy Bates movies, man, and there's one reason why. Misery is still stuck in my head where she hobbles uh, James Caan. And ever since that movie, anything Kathy Bates is in, <laughs> I, just, I, I love Kathy Bates. I think she's a talented lady. Yeah. But that is the hardest. I, I, I can watch anything, but that part where she, he gets hobbled in that movie, if you haven't seen it, Google it now. You'll throw up. Uh, that's the only reason I can't do any sort of Kathy Bates anything. Well, I remember Kathy Bates. Wasn't she in the movie where she kept she kept injuring her husband to keep him in bed? That was was Misery, right? That's the one. I don't know why I always want to call it Deception or something like that, but the movie where every time he got better, and that was the dad that was the father in the Elf movie to Will Ferrell, which that's... If you really want to do a weird crossover, you make a real dark version of Elf where that guy who's been such a bad father and is torturing Buddy, you have Buddy come in and hobble him, except Buddy isn't um, Will Ferrell. Buddy is now Cassie Bates, and then you play some really weird Christmas song that'll really stick in your head as you hobble a scene and you completely turn it upside down. It was written by Stephen King. It's it's a and I, and I think he's a writer and she's obsessed with him. And then she uh, basically you know captures him and won't let him go, and she's basically crazy. It messed me up for a long, long time. Well, I, I want to kind of go off script here because we'll get there eventually, and yeah. and. When, you know, you talk about kind of being obsessed and that connection to it, you and I have watched the Netflix series, You. I So so my girlfriend got me into You, and then I got, my, my mom just had a surgery, so she's like, I'm going to be in the house for a bit, what can I watch? And so some of the workers, some of the people she works with told her to watch You, and then I told her to, and my aunt hadn't watched it, she's a big Netflix fan, so my mom and my aunt watched like a season and a half almost of You within the last week, and now my mom's almost done with the first two seasons. She's in it, my aunt's in it. We've got this like group of people that are very much into the show and can't stop watching it. I know you watched it, so what did you think? Oh, it's it's the greatest thing ever, and uh, I I actually find myself having Joe dialogue a lot. You know what I mean? Not that I'm going to do anything bad, but it's just I have that dialogue in my head. Yeah, and it's it's funny because uh, there's a bar across the street here uh, in Charleston called Indigo uh, River. Uh, Indigo River Brewing Company, great place. If you're ever in Charleston, check them out. And they have a bartender there named Dawn. 
right? Yeah. So I go over there after work one night with one of the salespeople. We're talking. She's into you. I'm into you. So we start talking about the whole thing. And I, and she looked like love. Love is the star of the second season. Yeah. And I'm like, did anybody ever tell you you looked like love? And she's like, oh, no. And, and so we start talking and we start getting into the thing. And then as I'm leaving, I said goodbye, you know, whatever. I'm like, oh, my God. I must have come off as the most creepy dude ever <laughs> talking to this girl. And I know she thinks that I've got a Joe basement in a Joe box. And then, you know, and you start having that weird inner dialogue, but it's a really good show. Um, I'm interested to see where they take season three. I don't want to spoil it for anybody. I don't know if we do spoilers on the show or not, but we can, we can do like, I mean, it's, it's come out for a while. So I always do the countdown. I do the, that's So, okay. If you have not seen you and you don't want to hear this, then you're going to have to mute us for a moment or pause it. I'm going to give you a countdown. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. There are spoilers for you, Season 1 and 2. If you don't want to hear them, you cannot get mad at us. We have warned you. Go ahead, Hunter. All right. I think that uh, Love Matched is crazy for sure. Yeah. And did you read up on Because I got deep into this. Love is a tennis term. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Love is a tennis. No, uh, 40. Okay, 40 is your brother. Love is also a term in tennis. Love equals nothing in tennis. And 40 is also, I believe, an even score in tennis because I don't watch tennis because I'm yeah, a man. So there's and, a very confusing thing about tennis. If you have nothing, you have love. And then and then you have, how does it go? You have 15, you have 30. Right. And then you have, and then you have 40 love. And then, and, and then if, if it's tied, you have deuce, or it makes absolutely no sense. And then if you win, it's just game. Right. I so. think if it's 40 love, it means that there's no one is one, and it means nothing. So you have a score of nothing, which is the reason why they tie all the stuff in. I love the show. It's great. I'm looking forward to season three. It's kind of weird because he found his crazy finally, and now he's, like, interested in another person, which it will be a whole new scenario because love is crazy. Yeah, so it says uh, 40 love in the Urban Dictionary means that you are winning and the opponent got nothing. Right. So, and I and I almost look at this, too, as we're, we're in his brain all the time and we're hearing from him all the time. Is her name love and he's chasing love only to find out that love isn't enough for him and that he's really chasing lust? So could this all be in his brain? Could this be like a bigger, I mean, if, if this is real and this is happening then could it all be a metaphor? But then one step further, could this be that we're in his brain the whole time and that love isn't a real person? He's chasing love only to find out that it's not good enough for him and that his whole life is a metaphor and we've just been in his crazy brain the whole time and maybe he just never got off the first girl in the first place. Probably. And, you know, I would also say uh, if you're obsessed with a girl, it's probably not a good thing to stand outside of her window and do things in plants. I'm just going to leave it at that. Well, it's also interesting that... You know, Jim Carrey said this line, and I use it a lot, too. If somebody, you know, says something or they're uncomfortable or somebody somebody makes a joke about something, or if you've dated someone for a while, you could do this. I always say that your furniture looks great from the front lawn. That's always a good approach. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Recognize me from here up, and then you put your, you know, hand right near your nose. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I love it, though. It's a really good uh, show, and I'm looking forward to the next season for sure. Are you pissed off at the fact that he just found someone who matched his crazy and now is back to the beginning of season one, and it's like, okay, I wanted this girl, I couldn't have her, I killed her. I wanted this girl, I couldn't have her, I thought I killed her. I want this girl, I have her, she's just as crazy, she doesn't care what I've done. 
and now he wants a new girl again. So he finally got what he wanted, and he's, you know, it seems like he's like Craven the Hunter. He just likes the chase. Uh, maybe he's, yeah, maybe it is. Maybe it's the quote-unquote thrill of the chase. Maybe that's what it's all about. Maybe he's crazy. I don't know. I love the movie. It's If you like Dexter, it's something to check out for sure. So, yeah, and Penn Badgley, fantastic role for that. I would not watch him in Gossip Girl. I couldn't get... I couldn't make that show one of my shows, but a phenomenal actor that plays Joe in this one. And also the guy that plays the Penguin, who is my favorite Penguin next to Danny DeVito, Robin Lord Taylor, he's in the second season of You as well. Oh, I, yeah, that's true. I forgot about the guy, that. Yeah, the guy that's in it. And my mom asked me, my mom's like, why did you tell me to watch the show? So, you know, that bartender thinks you have a special place in your basement. My mother who has known me my whole life, asked me if I have some, I, my basement is completely visible. And then she goes, I don't know, maybe you have a bunker. So maybe to make you feel better that my own mother is like, why do you watch the show? Do you have a nice little glass cage downstairs? Yeah, it's it's one of those things that make you question yourself. I, it was one of those things, too. I, I still think about that because I'm like, did that, I put that in the universe and did that girl walk out of there going, uh-oh, crazy dude? You know what I mean? And I wasn't trying to be. I was just, like, so infatuated with the show. But as I'm going through the conversation, I'm like, you know what, Dawn? You're better than this. You should be out of this bar. Who wants to go in the box, Dawn? <laughs> yeah. You know? So, anyway, uh, nice girl. So, Dawn, I'm sorry. Once again, uh, you got pulled into something you didn't mean to be pulled into. Uh, I don't. I, and the funny thing is I don't even know her, Dan. I mean, I, she was my bartender for a minute, so. Yeah, but that's the thing is, is, you know, we talk about crazy and the theme of this episode seems to be crazy. And we continue that with with Joker. Joker, I think, very deservedly won a one one award. I mean, you look at not only in the Oscars, but with BAFTA and beyond the respect that Joaquin Phoenix pulled in for this movie. I think it should have won Best Picture. Again, I didn't see Parasite, so I don't want to discredit that. But Joker was just it was an original film. It was so much more. It was. It didn't feel like a DC film. Thank goodness for for you know the people there and making money. But it didn't feel like DC. It didn't feel like a comic book film. It honestly felt like a a film about mental illness. About if the guy the the the, the giant question of if you had your if you had your 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 therapist pulled your medication pulled if you were trying to attain your dreams and people were laughing at you if the only support that you had somehow went away if you didn't know who your father was if you were poor and the government didn't care and nobody cared about you and people you know total strangers made fun of you if that perfect storm happened and all of your idols ended up making fun of you and you had nothing and you have no one to go to and you have no faith couldn't we all become the joker in some respect wow that, that's deep and sad and, and probably a thousand percent true but i think that's what a lot of people took from the movie anyway you know i feel depressed when i run out of raisinettes i'm with you <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know why I like Raisinets, but no, it was it was a good movie. I really liked it. Honestly, though, I don't think I'd see it again. Um, it was so great. His performance is amazing. Um, but I walked out of there feeling really heavy, yeah. and um, and just because of everything that you just said, it was just one of those movies. It's like he's so good in it. He's so mesmerizing. But I had like kind of the opposite. You know how in uh, The Dark Knight with Heath Ledger. Yeah. I think when you watch that movie, everybody wanted more screen time from Heath. And I found it in the opposite with this movie. I found like, I was just like, it's too much. Can somebody come in and break this up a little bit? Because you just literally see everything you see. You see this guy's descent and, and, yeah. and Joaquin is just absolutely amazing. And 
but it is a hard watch. And, and, and I'm, I'm at a point right now because life has a way of kicking you and splitting you in the uprights that when I go to the movies, I kind of just want to have a good time. I don't want to think, I don't want to walk out feeling heavy. And that's the only criticism that I would have of that movie. Although I have heard that they're going to do a sequel, but there's kind of been up in the air and they've been kind of hitting at it, but going back at it. And I don't, I know we're going to get to Birds of Prey here, but I would love to see him make an appearance in like a crossover, like a Birds of Prey or something like that. Cause I love that movie, but I don't know if, if that character is his character is so dark that it'll work. But I think you finally got to the Joker part at the end of the movie. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with that. Yeah. You know, and they have, uh, they have put it up on IMDb and they do have that's, that's, it was updated at the end of November 2019 that there will be a second Joker movie. But, you know, the, the thing we have to look at is I felt like this movie, to me at least, it felt like a Scorsese movie. But it was Todd Phillips. And Todd Phillips, fantastic director. And, and that's why I thought, I mean, and obviously when you get to the Oscars and, and awards like this, everybody's going to be good. But, you know, Todd Phillips is, is, is somebody that I didn't know his name and now I will for, forever know his name. And I'll be, based on just seeing Joker, if I know that Todd Phillips has directed a movie, I will and I will I'll anticipate it and probably go see it because of the amount of respect I have from him off of this. I mean, I'm a I'm a movie buff. I mean, we do super powered pop. I've been going to the movies for such a long time and it's funny when when I have an opinion about a movie with people that I know or in the people that, you know, res- opinion, we respect each other's opinion. If I say something about a movie, they'll stop. Like if, if they're like, I'm not seeing the Joker. I don't want to see it. No, I, I don't want to do this. I want to do that. If I talk about it and I defend it, I'll get the really you, you want to like, and then they'll go like, they'll go see it. So that's where I'm at with movies. Like I really deeply get ingrained in them. And I find that when I have respect for somebody or something, it means something to me because there's so many things done over. And Todd Phillips is that guy where I'm like, what else you got? Like, I want to see more from his movies that are out there. I do want to see another Joker. And I think that this movie was about mental illness, but he wasn't born with it. This is something that was thrust upon him. He was he was an orphan. He was adopted. He was a forgotten child. And he doesn't know who his dad was. He thought his mother was the only place of support, the only place of, of peace, of solace, of grace, of anything good. And you find out, and, and we still don't know for sure who was lying because at the end of the movie, you see, you know, the, you see the picture of his mom and you flip it over and it says, you know, love you in this dress, TW for what we think is Thomas Wayne. So, you know, or love the smile or something like that. So we still don't know. Was Thomas Wayne lying because he obviously very well could and he has the money to hide it? Or was, you know, Penny Fleck lying about this? Was was his mother lying about the relationship? Is there truth in between these two lies somewhere where both of them are at least half right? So that's a question that gets brought up. And the fact of, you know, he wasn't born with mental illness. He he was abused. He was left chained to a radiator. He was beaten, you know, and, and his mother allegedly watched him get hit in the head and, and whatnot. So, and then he carries around that card, which I thought was a very interesting thing I've never seen in a movie or in real life, where it says, you know, I'm sorry for my laughter. It's an uncontrollable response to when I'm uncomfortable that comes from a brain injury. And I thought that that was kind of a very fantastic approach of there are people in this world that we have no idea what they're going through. And the Joker, we've always known his laugh to be crazy 
and insane because he's just wild and he's out there where this movie says his laugh has really been born out of abuse and uncontrollable circumstances, which I thought was a very interesting take. Yeah, no, the whole movie is fantastic, and it will be interesting to see where they go. I know they're rebooting Batman with Robert Pattinson at first. That was kind of like, I don't know, but then if you haven't seen The Lighthouse yet, it, it, I think it's going to be really good. It'll be interesting to see if they cross him over, if they do something where they actually bring the Batman into this world. Uh, you know, where do they go next with it? Because obviously they leave the movie off with, okay, now he's finally become the Joker. Yeah. Um, so it'll, I, I think it was a very good movie. I think all your points are, are right on, on target there. And I would even just put it on mental illness. You know, my parents always used to say something, because uh, things happen in people's lives regardless, and you never quote unquote know what's going on behind closed doors in anybody's life, really. And, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, to get psychological on, I guess behavior manifests itself in all kinds of different ways, especially if you're, you know, hurting or you've got something that you're dealing with and no one really truly knows, only you really know. So I, I think it's just not just a movie about mental illness, but just people in general. I mean, the, the way things are nowadays, Dan, yeah. I, I, it, you, know, you see it on Instagram all the time. I can tell you, man, you see these feeds and you know that half of that is BS anyway, uh, or, or someone's reaching out because maybe they need to feel validated or, you know, whatever they're running from. So so I think it's it's just a great commentary. It's again great movie. I wouldn't see it again, or maybe it'll just be a little while because maybe I just need to see something lighter, like Fast and Furious Nine. <laughs> well, I, and and that's the thing though is like I I've seen it three times. You know, I went and saw the Joker when it opened, and then I went and saw it again, and then I just I said to I said to the lady, I said, you know, would you like to watch this movie? She kind of brought it up. She goes, you know, why don't we watch it? And she has you know and she was i mean like really affected by those moments when he was getting kicked and just seeing the response like that genuine response which we lose with a lot of movies nowadays like there was that genuinely feel of of sadness for him and i, I felt like the movie just went in so many different places and it, you, you really get a feel for him that he doesn't want to be bad I don't think he wants to be the Joker because even at the end when he's standing on the car and he's finally getting noticed, his whole life he was a wallflower. Now he's finally the center of attention. He's that rose and beauty of the beast. Like everybody's looking at him and staring at him and looking at him for life. And when he stands up there, you see that before he turns around, he has tears in his eyes. You know, so there's this like. I'm finally getting realized and I'm finally getting appreciated and people are finally noticing that I exist in this world, but at what cost? And so there's that moment of clarity in his brain, I at least think, where he's crying because he does that throughout the movie. And then, you know, he puts his hands out to show you that he's here and he's the Joker. But I don't think he ever wanted to be the Joker. I think that, unfortunately, the world in a twisted way made him who he is. I think you can apply the same thing to you, to show you. It's the exact same situation because I go back. But you're right. Um, and I also think, too, when you actually get to a point where you realize what you're supposed to do, right, uh, even if it is something like the Joker, you do have to get rid of a lot of things that may hold you back from that thing. You know, and uh, it's it's amazing what drives people. So, I, I, yeah, I think, I think you're spot on with that. You know, and, and and the other part of it too is at the end. What do you think when he when he's laughing and he's wearing all you know all white and whatnot, and he's talking to a new doctor or someone within this this psychiatric ward and whatnot? 
and he and he and he just starts laughing and she says what and he said i'm just thinking of a joke and then he walks out of there and as he's walking out at the end of the movie his shoes are making blood prints is this a metaphor is it the fact that he has just killed this woman and he's escaping and now it's leading into number two what did you think of of this because some people thought it was a metaphor some people thought that it was a flashback some people thought that the whole movie didn't happen and he was he's been in there the whole time and and then other people think it's a setup that he killed her and he's he's now even more so diving into becoming the joker I think AstraZeneca needs to step in immediately and pump him up for a medication. I don't know. You know, it's, it reminded me a lot of American Psycho. So that very parallel, those movies, because it was the same thing. Did it really happen? Or did he think all this stuff up? Is he just starting to become the Joker? Was that the first kill, so to speak? And all the stuff leading up to it was, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of left wondering, and I'm sure they'll answer that question. But I, I feel like... I feel like a lot, well, that was the whole problem though. He was imagining things the whole time. Yeah. Even when he was having, he like, he was imagining having a girlfriend. <laughs> Been there. On that one. <laughs> oh no, she's right here, is she? Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think all that stuff is tied in. It'll be, I don't, I'm really interested to see where they take it because they didn't want it to do a sequel. This was supposed to be a one-off done and we're going to touch it again, but I think, you know, yeah. the studios were going, Look, guys, this thing is so good, and people are so engaged. What I loved about it beyond that is even if you're not a comic book person, if you, you know, because I think there's a lot of people that are loving comics, and then there's people that are kind of on the fringe. They maybe know little things. I think it brought a whole bunch of people in that maybe normally wouldn't have gone and seen that movie. There's a reason it did so well. Well, and that's the thing. There's, you know, Captain America, the the first Avenger, or I'm sorry, Captain America Winter Soldier, the, the second Captain America installment, it was like a 007. It was an action movie. That's why it, it, it hit people in a different way. When we saw, you know, Batman: The Dark Knight, it had a different feel to it. You know, even dark, even even the beginning when we look at Batman Begins and, and how that was set up, and just you know, Christopher Nolan and what he did. These movies didn't feel like comic book movies. Joker was like a loose attachment to DC because there's already a Joker in DC. It's Jared Leto, and we know in Birds of Prey that it's still connected to Harley Quinn, who you know was played by Margot Robbie. So this world of the Joker was like, we just want to do our own movie. It's our passion project. Let us do it our way. And they just threw it out there. And, and, and I think in the beginning, critics were just ripping it. I saw the movie. I sat on the couch in my office afterward, and I did a live take on it, a, a non-spoiler take on the movie, because I felt like I needed it to be fresh. And I had so much thought on mental illness and what was going on in the movie. And I stood out against what the negativity was. And then I saw other people say, oh, it's about mental illness. And I saw more people talk about it. And I got excited, like, okay, you know, you, there's other people on my wavelength. We're having this conversation. Then the movie starts doing better. Then all of a sudden it starts making money. And the critics in the beginning are now completely gone. And the movie's winning awards. Joaquin Phoenix is winning awards. It ends up being the highest grossing R-rated film worldwide ever in the history of mankind, defeating Deadpool 1 and 2, which is saying a lot about a movie that in the beginning people were like, eh, you know, maybe it'll be in theaters for two weeks. Yeah, um, and I'm sad for Deadpool on that one, but I'm hoping Deadpool 3, that'll give Ryan Reynolds the uh, wherewithal to go at it harder. Uh, and, and Deadpool's definitely, uh, you know, got some things going on upstairs too. But I think that's the parallel of all these movies. And it's a good conversation to have. Anytime you have, uh, you know, 
any sort of mental illness conversation about anything because I, I think it opens doors more than it ever was before. And if you've ever struggled with a little bit of depression, uh, which I have, um, and I don't mind talking about it, but, you know, uh, especially there's life events that happen to you, uh, sometimes caused by you, sometimes indirectly caused by you. But, you know, when you have a little bit of, like, you know, depression or something like that, for a long time there's a lot of stigma on that, right? Um, people, you know, you know, even 10, 15 years ago go, oh, yeah, they're a little. But I, I think people talk about that stuff much more now than they ever do. And, it, and, and movies like this open the door to talk about it. It's a good vehicle to talk about this kind of thing because there are a lot of people that struggle. And there may be some of your just sitting to you right now, maybe some of your family, I mean, it's hit everybody. Uh, there's not too many families out there that I don't think have, and it's not just depression. I mean, it's things like anxiety. Um, I, I mean, dude, I had a panic attack. Oh, God. About, was it a year and a half ago? I was in my bed, and I, my dad had triple bypass surgery at one point. And this was after the divorce had gone down, and I, you know, I, I'd moved from Columbia because I wanted to take a new job, and that ended up being weird. And, and it was, I was kind of, I was really alone. It felt really alone. And I was in my bed one night. And, you know, my left arm started tingling and my, my heart started racing. I was getting up. I was dizzy. I couldn't breathe. And I thought I was having a heart attack, you know, because uh, I, I was like, well, to my family, maybe so. And I went and I drove myself to the hospital, found out I had a panic attack just from all the anxiety that was coming at me from all different, you know, I mean, I had, you know, anxiety coming from what was going on with the divorce, the lawyers, the money, the a job I hated, a that I worked for, and I'm sorry I said that word, but that guy was absolutely one of the worst people I've ever worked for in my life. And you put all that together, yeah. and all of a sudden it starts manifesting itself in, in, in a lot of different ways. And I think a lot of people have anxiety. I have so many of my friends that deal with, I don't know if you deal with it or not, but like deal with anxiety um, and deal with, you know, is, you know, just things that being bad. You have to work at that stuff. And sometimes you don't know where to go. You don't have any, you don't know where have anybody to talk to it's it's really really sad and i found that myself and i started going back and looking at the triggers and what was causing it and you know you got to do things like exercise and and, and take care of yourself and, and people do all different types of things so i think it's a really good thing people talk about it i don't mind talking about it um you know and, and honestly I, I know this has been said a million times and it sounds like a cliche but if you're dealing with that there's somebody out there that can deal with it, can help you, they're, they're, and you've got to get help because sometimes you just can't help yourself. You can't get through it. Um, and anxiety, I don't wish that on my worst enemy, man. It is it is something that is brutal to deal with. And um, and, and all those things, I think, are kind of tied together. So uh, I think that's the beauty of the movie Joker because, like you said, you see the more humane, humane side of it as opposed to the, you know, comic book zaniness that it, that it became. And I don't think when they first started making that character, I don't really think that's what it was about. So that's my little pedestal, you know, TED talk on that today. But, you know, and it's, it's tough. I don't know. Have you ever dealt with any sort of anxiety or, or depression after you got divorced? Uh, I mean, it's, it's tough. Well, you know, I, well, I, I think the thing, you know, in my life is when my grandfather's passed away when I was six, I was learning about death. And when you learn about death at that age and then you have, you know, these people that are so close to you that you see almost every single day pass away, the feeling that everyone was going to die, having nightmares for like two years of the world on fire, there's ghosts, there's aliens, there's dinosaurs. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff in my dreams that were awful. And uh, the funny thing is I, I went, I, I go back to, you know, I found superheroes, I found comfort in superheroes 
and in talking stuff through. But, you know, you go to a therapist at six years old, and at six I was kind of like 20. I was always older than I had to be. So I can almost remember sitting in that room and having those conversations. But, you know, she said, what are you afraid of? And I said, I'm afraid that that everybody's going to die. And she said, who? And I was like, everyone, that I'm going to be here alone. And it, it, it was that feeling of loss and and that loss of a connection. And then, you know, you go through life and, and I'm a nice person. So, you know, you have people that are not nice and, and you try to you try to laugh it off and you try to be good to everybody. But some people are just, you know, they're, they're just bullies. They're angry. They're upset. And I found that when I work really hard and I do really good things, in my opinion, when I work hard and I'm successful and I help people, I've created some like very real enemies that don't even know what my middle name is. They don't even know anything about me. And I think you've experienced that and I've experienced that uh, to, to realize hate and the amount of stress that I took from just genuine hate. And, and I don't believe, and I don't say this in a cocky way, I know the type of person I am and I know that I care about every individual, even if they don't care about me. So if you hate me, I feel like that's something wrong with you or it's a narrative about what's going on inside you because I don't have any negative bone in my body toward anybody. So to hate me is to kind of hate the person that would pick you up if you were in a ditch somewhere. Um, so, you know, it's, I find that when I look back on my life and, and things that have happened, you know, I've, I've been in some relationships that were very uh, mentally volatile. I've been, you know, I think Jedi, Jedi mind tricks are real. And so from that, my grandfather's uh, bullying stuff in my family that was bullied, uh, bullying and whatnot, it kind of created this, this mixed bag of, I had no idea the amount of pressure I was under growing up. I had no idea what I was asking myself to do or what other people were asking me to do. And I, I've now realized that I cannot manage other people's expectations. I can only manage my own. And it's still a fight. It's still, you know, I, I think that I've had anxiety. I, I think there was a time where I thought I was having a heart attack, and I, I, I drove to the hospital at late at night. Um, you know, I, and, I, and I can honestly tell people that, you know, there's, I think that the, there's a lot of people out there that have thought about not being here either taking their own life or disappearing or, you know, going off to an island somewhere or, or whatever it may be. And I've been there. And I said, you know, I, I think that it's wrong of me to not tell people that because there could be somebody listening to we'll get there eventually or Superpowered Pop or Dan on Disney or Wake Up Call or anything that I'm doing that needs to hear me say there was a moment or moments where I didn't want to be here or I didn't think I could handle it or you know, I, I just, I thought life was too hard because if you tell somebody that you had that thought at 14 and you're 34 now, then that's, that's somebody knowing that you can exist beyond it. And as much as it's hard to speak on our pain, I don't find it hard to speak on my pain because I have this belief that if I speak on it, I could help salvage somebody's life or help them know that there is light at the end of the tunnel. And I wanted somebody to tell me that when I was feeling that way. Oh, uh, 1,000%, and um, especially when you go to a point where you have to start over, it's it's tough, and it's and and it, you you really have to push through it. And I, I had the same thing, man. I mean, the past two years of my life, dude, um, they were probably the most challenging that I've had yet, and I, I went through a lot of heartbreak. I, I still have a little bit of it. I try to push past that, um, but I think I'm real about it now. 
And especially when it came to my career, I started focusing on what I wanted to do because, as you said, and, and, and I don't care what you do, whether what we do or whether you want to be whatever you want to be, uh, I think the thing that holds you back the most is fear, especially because there are always going to be people that tell you you can't do this. And I know that sounds cliche, but you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. I experience it in my business all the time. People don't get what I do. And then, you know, you have to kind of push them through. But it's all about pushing through all of that. And it's hard. And and the demons are real, man. I, I, I can tell you I've had those those conversations in my own head where it's like whatever. But, you know, the thing that kept me going was, one, uh, my children are always that driving force. Uh, two, uh, sometimes situations don't work out the way you want them to, but that doesn't mean you can't love somebody. And the biggest thing you have to do is forgive other people and forgive yourself. And that's the hardest thing, too. My biggest problem is I have a hard time forgiving myself sometimes. So, you know, I had to get to a point where it's like this happened and I, you know, I forgive this person, but I also forgive myself for allowing that to happen in the first place and, and not valuing myself enough in all those situations. So I, I, I do think it's a good thing to talk about. And if you're having a deal, you know, please, you know, comment on the show. Let us know what's going on because it's all the same thing. And that's why I put it out there too. I feel the same reason because there's probably somebody out there right now that's having a really crappy year or a crappy day or a crappy couple of years or they're stuck in a situation that they don't feel that they can get out of. You can, but I'm not going to tell you it's going to be easy. It's tough. I mean, I had to make some really hard decisions. And I, I can tell you when when uh, I was first, you know, when I got, when she filed for divorce, I could have, I could have gone another way with it. I really could have. I could have played a role. I could have gotten myself into a situation and gotten past it. But I knew at that point that we were just no good for each other anymore. We And we hadn't been for a long time. And I knew that it was going to be a lot of pain. I knew that it was going to be a lot of anxiety. But I also felt like at this point I wasn't going to fight for it anymore because I knew that she needed to be off being better and I needed to be off being better. And us together was just toxic. And I don't think it was anybody's, it was not one person's fault. It was just two people that came together that just couldn't figure it out. And so for me, when she filed, I got out and I took that as an opportunity. And it's been hard, man. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and lie. I mean, I, I, I struggle every day, but um, I'm glad that I do. I feel like I'm a better dad because of it. I feel like I'm a better person at work. I'm the person I want to be. And um, I'm, I'm better with my friends. And, and, you know, I've, I've gotten in touch with people that maybe I hadn't talked to in a while because I was so engrossed in this situation. So, um, that's my personal opinion on it. I think you have to, and it, and, there, and it's scary. Change is scary. It's the thing that holds people back the most. It's, I think if you're complacent, that's when it's really bad. You got, you can't ever stay complacent. No, you know, and, and I think the thing is, you know, you have to be willing to, I think the strong people are the people that talk about it. The strong people are the people that can admit it. You know, I, I find I find that there's a lot of weakness in people that can't admit when they're wrong, can't say that they're sorry. You know, I find that there is tremendous sadness in people that want to see other people unhappy or threatened through violence or anything like that. I mean, the, the, the reality of it all for me is if you're successful in your career, good for you. But I never see it as a threat. And, I, and I've always found it strange that when I do things in my life and I'm over here just having fun and enjoying it, that there's people going, oh, he's threatening me and he's threatening my business. and he's What am I threatening? You know, I mean, if you're good at what you do, 
then I'm not threatening you at all. I mean, Superman has to have Batman, and Batman has to have Flash, and Flash has to have Green Lantern because they can't all be everywhere all the time. So when I'm out there fighting crime, I I want other people to be out there doing it. Some of these people just, you know, they want to be Lex Luthor, and that's it. You know what? And Dan and Jane of the Wonder Twins need their monkey gleek. <laughs> and I, no, I, I agree with you. And um, I, you know, it's funny um, because I work in this business and uh, I work in radio still, and I'm fortunate to do so. But I always get sometimes you get these calls, and they're like, well, "What's the competition doing?" And it's funny. Um, even when I was in Syracuse, and um, and I worked for K Rock, and I, I really loved my time. I really, really did. And uh, I loved doing that show, and it, that was that was very hard to let go of, or when it let go of me, I should say. But I never really paid attention to what they were doing. Or, and, and even here, I don't really pay attention to what the competition is doing because I'm more into, okay, what are we doing? How are we, and, and what yeah. are our spending? Because at the end of the day, you know, I, I work for a country station now, but I mean, we play the same music. So it's, it's not like, you know, there's a variance in music or anything like that, but it's, it's the attitude that you bring into work all the time and what you're trying to do on the air and stuff like that. So I really don't pay attention, and I always do find that, you know, sometimes, you know, people will kind of try to tear you down and you're just going, well, you know, I'm just being me. And I, and I dealt with that a lot because of my personality on the air. And I've said this many times, it's like a light switch, you know, so I go in and, and you know, I'm, I'm kind of quiet, and, you know, in normal life and I'm, I'm, I'm very kind of private. But when I went on the air, I knew it was a show and, and all that kind of stuff. So um, I always went crazy you know, on the show and had fun with it. And I, 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 it's me elevated. It's the number 11. But the problem was, you know, when you're with a couple, somebody that doesn't understand that, doesn't like that, just oh, put that away. I didn't want to put it away. I liked it. I liked, I liked being quote unquote hunter on the air. I enjoyed it, you know? And, you know, sometimes people would come up and say, you know, hunter's an eggplant emoji. I was, you know, but that was me being, you know, but I was never trying to hurt anybody with it either. It was just me having fun. And I think sometimes, people misconstrue that or they actually believe that, you know, it's you're, you're full on like that all the time and you can't be because it's exhausting. You know, I would come home sometimes and just fall asleep in the middle of the afternoon because I'd be, I'd be exhausted. Um, yeah. so, uh, you know, and, and, and so yeah, to, to that point, I, I don't even know what my point was anymore because I think I'm hungry and I need to eat soup, but and, you know. <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I think, I think for me, I, what I, what I love about, you know, the last 17 plus year. And it's funny now because I've now been a broadcaster more than I haven't been. So the first 17 years of my life building up to this, and now it's 17 plus years of being a broadcaster and in some way, shape or form, I've never taken on any type of uh, persona. Like you said, you it's your personality, but you kind of wake yourself up. Uh, I've been asked before to like change who I am, change my thoughts, you know, play the dumb guy because you're young or be the Seinfeld character. And I was like, no, because I don't want to have to remember my lies. I don't want to have to remember my, and I wasn't raised that way. So like what you see is what you get. And I think it's really helped to build who I am and what I'm about. Because if you see me at the grocery store or you see me at, uh, a sports restaurant or at a movie or, you know, here or whatever it may be, or at church, whatever. I'm the same guy. I have the same opinions about Tim Tebow. I have the same opinions about Birds of Prey. Like, I, I don't take on anything just to take it on. Like, I am who I am. And that's what I love. Because I had somebody tell that tell me that before. 
that I dated, she's like, I like real Dan. I don't like radio Dan. And I was like, well, then you don't like Dan because he's the same person and he has the same feelings, you know? So I get that. And, and I, I think what I, what I mean too, by say that a lot of times, you know, I, the way things are now, you, you have to sometimes suppress yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's certain I, I could throw some things out there about myself. But, you know, like you said, I'm talking alone. You, you, and no one else is in the room. You know, yeah. and uh, and so I would do that. And I think based what it boiled down to is I was a little insecure uh, about myself. Uh, you know, I'd gotten heavy at one point, and my my weight does fluctuate when I don't work out, and and then, you know, I could go in, and it was like all these thoughts that I had going up in my head that I couldn't necessarily say in a normal setting, but my family has a really uh, quirky sense of humor, so they got that, and so that was me on the air, but then a lot of times I would, you know, have to, it, but it would inevitably piss somebody off, and it actually pissed people off that I actually cared about, and so when you start pissing people off that you care about, you're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do that. But then I'm like, but that's how I think about it. You know, like all the stuff that I, I talked about was definitely stuff I felt, but it was just me cranked up a little bit extra of a notch because, you know, you just, I mean, there's certain things you go to a dinner party or, you know, you go to a, it was always, always really interesting to me. My son is now in the military and uh, I came on the ship. And, you know, I see all the other parents coming on because he, he's on a, a ship and he comes, he came down to Charleston and I walk in and I got a backwards hat on, I got a t-shirt and shorts and all the guys are like, what's your dad do, man? <laughs> and it was like, cause all the other parents look, uh, they don't look like that. You know, I, I, a lot of them just, you know, they're dressed up and, and, and my job is, is kind of a weird job. I mean, it's, it's, it's a fun job. I love doing it, but it's weird. Um, and, and it's, it's not what normal, I think, a lot of people do. So I think sometimes there's a little deconstruct there and there are two worlds that kind of pull you. And I know like when I'm on a microphone, I, I know like sometimes saying the thing that like a lot of that I found that out a lot, you know, a lot of times if I had a thought, a lot of people actually had that thought, but didn't want to say it. And then you say it and it, it's, it, it gives you a little bit of strength. So I think that's where it came from. a little bit of, for me, a little bit of insecurity is a, you know, and then a lot of it is just like, you know, that confidence, I, I got, I, I get a little more confident when I'm on the air, I guess. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I think, you know, we kind of just, you realize who you are and you get to a place, but you know, you want to, you want to know that you have to be cool in who you are and you have to appreciate who you are and be confident in yourself because in the world that we live in, you know, when it comes to, we're all entertainers and, you know, you and I in, in the world that we've chosen to be in, you're an entertainer and, we're in a world where everybody wants say the people that want you to fail and call you a fraud and don't want you to have your job and think that it's BS will copy you a year down the road, try to become you. And what they don't know is you can build the car, but you're never going to have the driver. And so, you know, what you do as Hunter, what I do as, as, as myself, what I do as Dan, you know, you, you, who we are is who we are and you can try and recreate everything, but you can't, make it exactly the same because you're missing the key ingredient and you can't kill for it. And you can't, you know, cause, cause the, the soul of a person and who you are, what you're about, that's who you are. And I think what will always keep us going and always keep us successful is we're real. We're honest. We have a personality we have comedy, which is a good approach to life. And I feel like, you know, our brains are just where our brains are, are just 
created, at least yours and mine, in my opinion, to always be firing off and connecting things. And there's just storytellers in the world, and I think we're storytellers, and so that's why we do what we do, and we'll always be good at what we do, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I hope so, anyway. I mean, I always, I always try to push myself a little bit further. I always feel like I'm probably my own worst critic. So You have to uh, be. But, yeah, I totally feel you on that one. So we got one more thing to get to as we are, we're, we're getting there eventually, and that's uh, Birds of Prey. Uh, Birds of Prey is something that has been alluded to on – well, it's, it's been shown essentially – on the on the CW when we have seen the you know the the black canary and and all these things come up and whatnot if you've watched DC's Legends of Tomorrow or if you've watched Arrow or Flash or you know really any of these shows where we're seeing the the birds of prey and we got to see them on the big screen now and and I I think that there's some cool things we talked about here but overall the movie was called Birds of Prey and and then there was the colon and that long, you know, it, it, it's Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Now, allegedly, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I thought it was the uh, fabulous exfoliation of Margot <laughs> Roby and the little beads from those little gel things that you wash your face with went into the ocean and the fish are eating them now. Is that what they had the problem with filling the movie theater? Well, this is the thing that's that's crazy is, and so it's Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. It's And, you know, just like people think, you know, has there ever been a time where, you, where a long title hasn't really made anybody feel good about it? Long titles don't work. But, you know, Birds of Prey, they could have just called it Harley Quinn. I think it would have done well there. Now they're trying to... Yeah, they're trying to re... They're not re-releasing the movie. It's staying in theaters, but now they've changed it to Harley Quinn colon Birds of Prey. It should just be Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey, which makes the most sense, but they're now changing the name of it midstream in hopes that it'll work, and the movie's only been out for, what, two weeks now? Yeah, I guess a lot... And I saw the movie, and I absolutely loved it. I mean, these ladies kicked so much ass in this movie. It was... uh, most fun I've had in a movie, and, and to me it was a little bit of everything. It was John Wick and Deadpool, and there's one part where she's uh, in front of a car. She's like, and I don't want to give a spoiler away, but there was one part where I wanted her to do kind of an Indiana Jones and go underneath the car. Yeah. She's fabulous in it. All the women in it are fabulous, and I walked out of that movie like I want. I walked out of that movie wanted to be Harley Quinn, and I think that'll be the biggest Halloween costume this year. But I don't know what the disconnect was because they said it was. You know, uh, a quote unquote bomb. It made 33 million, but maybe that was just people were confused by the title or whatever. But I say go see it because it is just a great from start to finish. I mean, there might be a couple of things if you want to put, put some pokes in it, but Ewan McGregor's great. Um, she's just awesome. She's so engaging and entertaining. And, uh, I really love Huntress. I thought she was awesome. I mean, the characters, the chemistry between the characters is great. It's just a fun movie. And I don't know if they got, because of Suicide Squad, so many people kind of blasted that movie. Yeah, I don't know if that yeah. had something to do with it. You know, they say people are confused by the title. Maybe so. Um, but, you know, they could have just called it Harley F. and Quinn and been done with it. Because, you know, it's and it's a rated R movie. And it's great. I mean, I love seeing these DC movies now where they're, they're edgier. And, and, and because I think that's, and I, you know, Deadpool kind of broke the mold on that. And I think people want that from these comic book characters because for so long they were so kind of squeaky clean. And uh, I love I love the character of Harley Quinn. I love that she stays true to who she is. 
Um, and the, again, the fight scenes are great. I, it's just, it's, I say go see it. It's a fun movie. It's two, and it's short. It's a two hour movie. Yeah. And, uh, it's a great escape. It really is. And I'd love to see the Joker make its way in. I don't know if that would be Jared Leto because I know he was kind of torqued about, you know, not being in the new Joker movie, but it, I'd love to see her kind of reconcile this, this, uh, situation that she has with Mr. J. Yeah. Well, I think the thing that, there's a lot of issues that I have with this. You know, some people are complaining, you know, well, the movie would have done better if it wasn't rated R and this BS. Listen, if you're going to make Deadpool, if you're going to make the Birds of Prey, Harley Quinn, Joker, it all has carnage for Marvel. It all has to be rated R. To me, there there is no option. You don't make a Birds of Prey movie. You don't make a movie with Huntress and Black Canary. You definitely don't make a Harley Quinn and Joker movie and not have it be rated R. That would be absolutely ridiculous. So, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, people didn't like Suicide Squad and this and that. People like Harley Quinn. They like Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. Rotten Tomatoes gave it 79%. The audience scored it at 80%. It didn't make a ton of money coming through here, and so people are freaking out about it. But saying that it's because it's rated R is ridiculous. Saying that, you know, oh, well, the name and this and that. You know who's in it. You saw it. I don't think that they maybe did enough advertising for it because I didn't see a lot about it. But, you know, this is a DC movie, which is off the beaten path. And this is what I don't understand, and this is where people sometimes, Hunter, they complain for the sake of complaining. They say that Batman's been overdone. There's too many Batmans. I don't want to see all these Batmans. There's too many Supermans. Find a new Superman. So then they give you something totally new, interesting, and different in the Suicide Squad and in Birds of Prey, and what do people do? There's no Batman in the movie. There's no Joker. There's no Superman. So it's like you, you either have it or you don't. I like Harley Quinn. I think that she. Do- I think that Margot Robbie is Harley Quinn to me. I think she'll always be Harley Quinn. And I think that, you know, this is a this is another movie. And again, when you talk about women, this movie was 99% women outside of Ewan McGregor and that weird troll guy that he had, you know, always following around everywhere. But beyond that, this movie was about women, like you said, kicking ass, doing fantastic things. Do, you know, they, they didn't need a man. And, and, and I love how Black Canary singing It's a Man's World when she knows damn well she doesn't believe those words. And so sometimes we find with these movies that people are complaining, not because it's a bad movie, not because it's a bad premise, not because it's a bad character or characters, but because it's a bunch of women and we just want to see them take their tops off. And I'm a comic book guy and I'll read all these comics where women always had their boobs popping out in these tiny little waists. I don't want to see women be superheroes. I don't want to see women kick ass. I want them to need a man to do it. And I feel like we're still living in that world where why can't we watch a movie like this? If you think Fast and the Furious deserves to have nine movies, then the least you can do is look at Harley Quinn and Black Canary and Huntress and, you know, and, and, and this entire cast and, you know, uh, Renee Montoya, Rosie Perez, who's always a friggin' G in every movie that she's in. How can you look at these women in this movie and complain about it wasn't good enough? It's, it's pound for pound, beginning to end, women just beating the hell out of anybody that comes their way. They didn't need a man in a second of this movie. And I thought that it was absolutely fantastic. I thought it was colorful. I thought it was fun. I thought it was different. I wanted to see more when the end of it came. 
But I do think that some people complain because they think that comic books are meant for women to have big boobs, big boobs and small waists and just kind of be the eye candy of it all. When in actuality, if you're going to do a movie with the Birds of Prey and Margot Robbie, maybe some of these comic book people need to get with the times and maybe some people need to get with the times that women can kick ass too. And sometimes it's good to see them that way. And I would think, too, I I like the fact that there really isn't anybody with big boobs in that movie because I'm thinking about what you're saying. And if you're talking about the classical archetype of the quote-unquote comic book character, any woman that's done CrossFit that you've got some big ones, you know, you got to strap those girls in with like a a sports bra and something else. You can't fight like that. There's no way. They'll get in the way. You'll get weighed down. I've heard they're heavy. I mean, I've I've had friends that have had boob reductions and stuff like that. Um, So on that side, yes, that is... That, that archetype's out there. I don't know if that's what's keeping people away. Maybe it is. I, if you are, that's really shallow. But it, it is interesting, though, and you make a point. We're in such a world right now where, I, you know, it's so female-empowered, right? And this, to me, is such a female empowerment movie. That's why I can't figure out why more people aren't going to see it because I know there's that comic book nerd thing but then it's such a great movie with strong characters, and it's fun. And, I mean, I know people love John Wick. You walk out of John Wick, and, you, I mean, as a dude, you walk out of John Wick going, dude, I totally want to do that. I want to have a knife fight John Wick style. I feel like this movie was the same thing. You, know, you walk out of it, and you just feel so connected to the characters and what they do and, and how strong they are. It's, so that's the part that I can't figure out is it maybe is it the title or maybe it wasn't enough advertising or maybe it's just the time of year people are tired. I don't know what the reason is, but it's a wonderful movie. Go see it. It's awesome. And Margot Robbie is absolutely Harley Quinn. I can't see anybody else in the role. And it's just it is. It's a great movie. You know, and that's the thing. And I think maybe it's timing, you know, because movies in January, you don't you don't anticipate January and February to be a great time to go out and see a movie. And, you know, typically movies don't they don't do much in January and February. I mean, you look at Marvel, they stay away from it. Marvel does May, June, July, you know, the September's, the November's, the October's. They don't really touch this time of year. A lot of people don't. And business owners, for the life of me, I still don't get how someone can own a business and be freaking out about January and February and why they don't have money. You know this and I know this from being in the business. December into January and June and July, are it's two times a year where people tend to just freak the hell out. And so, you know, we're used to in the movie industry to go see movies in the summer. But around this time, nobody wants to do anything. People want to hibernate. After Christmas, you're looking at the thing going, why did I, Christmas, you spend all this money. Then January, you go, why did I spend all this money? All your bills are due. Businesses have all their taxes due. You got people coming in in January, February, if you're up where there's snow, it's the weather's usually terrible or it's undesirable. People don't want to go outside. So not until March do people really start coming out here and doing this. I think if Spider-Man came out in February, it's still as good as it could be, and it's Marvel and whatnot. I still don't think it would make as much as it makes when it comes out in May or July. I mean, that's that's just the reality of it all. There's a reason why the Avengers don't come out January 12th. I mean, there's there's just something to be said about that. And even movies that come out at Christmas time. There's not a lot of great Chris. I mean, you look at December, January, February. What can you say about that time of year? And even when you look at the movies that are coming out, I, I forgot Birds of Prey was coming out until I saw something about it. I forgot it was coming out this early. It came out February 7th. 
So to me, that's that's such an early time period to do it. And you know, if if I tell you even what's in the theaters right now at this you know at this juncture, you know, just to take a look at what could people go out and see right now, I'll tell you what's in the theaters as we look at you know the middle of February. These are your movies: Sonic the Hedgehog, Harley Quinn: Birds of Prey, uh, Downhill, The Photograph, Gretel and Hansel, The Rhythm Section, The Gentleman, Doolittle. Bad Boys for Life, which did, you know, which I'm sure did pretty well. Uh, Little Women, 1917. They've kept Star Wars in The Rise of Skywalker and Jumanji the next level. So, you know, I, I look at 1917 and I say, okay, some people might go see it because it was up for awards. And Little Women, same thing. And, you know, and obviously if they were to bring the Joker back out. But Sonic the Hedgehog isn't going to make a ton of money. Downhill in the photograph, I don't anticipate. Gretel and Hansel prob- probably barely make any money. So, you know, and Doolittle will, I mean, what does Robert Downey Jr. care? He's set for the rest of his life. That movie might break itself even. But, you know, I mean, I don't, when you look at the lineup of the movies that are out there, I don't think this is the movie time of year. And I think that when you look at the entire marquee, it showcases you. If if your best movies are Sonic the Hedgehog and Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey, it's not a big time for movies right now. I think if you release this in July or August or November, I almost guarantee, would, would guarantee that there was going to be more people that would put butts in the seats. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you speaking of December, remember we had the treat that was Cats. So Such a great movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, you know I did see The Gentleman, though. I did see The Gentleman. I really liked it a lot. It's a Guy Ritchie movie. I don't know if it's... And that's the other problem. I think a lot of people are watching Netflix, and a lot of people are like, you know what? I'll wait until it drops on Netflix or, you know, whatever. So I think that keeps people away a lot. Or people have a fire sticky jailbreak, which I have done. So a lot of times, too, that's also affecting the box office. I mean, I think there are certain movies that are great to watch on the big screen. Rise of Skywalker, that's one you want to see on the big screen. You know, any sort of Avengers thing, big screen. But something like The Gentleman, great movie. Is it worth the big screen? No. Bad Boys 2 saw it. Did I think it's big screen? worthy? Not really. Do I think um, even Birds of Prey is big screen worthy? Uh, maybe a little bit, but it's not on the level of something like The Joker. So I, I think uh, that's I think that's a lot of it too, and 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 maybe people are, are watching it illegally right now. We look at some of the upcoming uh, comic book movies, and uh, Marvel is going to release the New Mutants, which was a Fox project, a 20th Century Fox po- project, uh, April 3rd of 2020. I don't know what the anticipation is for this. Have you even seen anything about the New Mutants? Yeah, I think they're going to try to make it some sort of horror type movie. Um, from what I've seen, I, I think it's um, they're going to put a little spin on it horror wise, and um, so I, I think we're getting into that scene because you got Fantasy Island dropping right now, which is a twist on Fantasy Island. They're making it more of a horror movie. I know Chris Rock has a project Saw, uh, which I saw a trailer for, which looks actually pretty good. Uh, so they're rebooting that. Samuel L. Jackson's in it. Um, and I think that's the goal with the New Mutants, but I don't really know that much about the New Mutants, so it'll be interesting. I mean, I'll go probably see it, um, but again, they're probably dropping that in April for a reason, because they're like, eh, it's probably not going to be what we hope it'll be, you know? Yeah, so I mean, we, we really see that the New Mutants coming out April 3rd, 2020, when the weather breaks. Uh, Black Widow is May 1st of 2020. Wonder Woman, what'd you say? 
hard pass on Black Widow. See, I, see, I, I think introducing the Taskmaster is going to... I think there's going to be a lot of surprises in that movie that are going to give us something for the future. I think I think Marvel's going to say, hey, if you decided not to see it, you're going to miss... You know, you missed out on three Easter eggs, and that's going to bring people in if they don't want to go. Maybe. I don't know. I just saw it, and it just looked like more of the same to me. And, uh, you know, I know that they've been talking about doing a Black Widow for a long, long time. Why didn't you get a spinoff movie? Um and the only thing I can say is I love the fact that Hopper is in it from Stranger Things, but uh, okay. I don't know. It just, I saw the movie and I'm like, this just looks like another Marvel movie that I've seen a million times. This is my personal opinion. I think it looks like the female version of Captain America Winter Soldier is what I think. Uh, Wonder Woman 1984 is, is, is the sequel for Gal, for Gal Gadot. Um, we have Morbius. That is coming out, and believe it or not, Venom Two will be following Morbius. Uh, Morbius comes out on July July tenth, and we will see October second for Venom. And uh, Venom's my favorite anti-hero, so I love that it's in my birth month. Uh, June fifth for Wonder Woman is a great time period, and then the Eternals will be coming out November sixth, which is usually around that Thor time, which is fitting because Thor brought us to space for the first time, and the Eternals will bring us deeper, deeper into the uh, the the throngs of space. So not a crazy year for, you know, movies as far as comic book stuff, but we are going to see the new mutants in April, black widow in May, wonder woman in June, Morbius in July, venom in October, after we take a break of a couple months and then we'll see the eternals in November. So, you know, they're kind of all spaced out month to have their own month. And then we'll see August and September take a break from comic book movies. What do you think about the lineup? Um, you know, for the most part, I, I saw the trailer for Jared Leto I, as uh, Morbius. I think that's interesting because it'll be a different spin. And if you don't know what Morbius is, basically he's a vampire. Uh, vampires seem to be hot right now. Dracula is a big thing on Netflix. So I, it looks really good from the trailer. Uh, Venom, I thought it was okay, but I, I like the fact that Woody Harrelson is going to be in Venom 2, I believe, as Carnage. Uh, I, I thought that would be a good one. Uh, the Eternals, I honestly don't know enough about it, but I'm open to it. And the New Mutants, I'd probably go see it. But with me, X-Men movies have always been hit or miss. They've either been really good or I'm like, oh, my God, get me out of here. Um, so I don't know why that is. Some of them are better than others. Um, so I think the lineup's pretty good. I do think, you know, do people get burned out on it a little bit? Maybe. And maybe that's why... You know, there's just so many people are just like, I don't know what even this is. Like, it'll be interesting to see how Morbius does because he's such a, unless you're really deep into comics, you probably don't know that much about him. So it'll be interesting to see if that actually, you know, hits or not. Um, and I know Jared Leto probably wants it to because of everything that went down with the Joker. So I think he's probably got a little vested interest in this being a success as well. I thought he was a good Joker in um, Suicide Squad. I didn't think he got his... Uh, just as deserving on that. I thought he was a good, crazy joker. I just think they just didn't know what to do with that, that role. So I, I'm really looking forward to Morbius. Um, I think Dr. Strange is coming out too, isn't it? Uh, Dr. Strange is uh, 2021. Oh, God, so it's a little bit far away. Yeah, so those for, for me, those are the movies that I'm really looking forward to. Actually, I'm just looking forward to The Mandalorian coming back. Yeah, you know, and there's another thing too. Uh, Suicide Squad is going to have a movie coming out August 8th, 2021 called The Suicide Squad. And James Gunn, who does Guardians of the Galaxy, he went over and decided to jump to D.C. when Disney temporarily fired him, and they have since brought him back. But he's making his rendition of the Suicide Squad. Is there any hope, because it's James Gunn, that they're, they're going to be able to somehow save this portion of it? I 
think so. Uh, I didn't actually mind the Suicide Squad. I thought the villain was a little bit enchantress, although she was hot. God, that was hot. But um, <laughs> I, 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 I thought, um, I didn't think it was a bad movie. I just thought the villain was a little bit thinky. But, um, yeah, I think Suicide Squad's got a shot. I liked uh, Will Smith as Deadshot. Um, and uh, I thought Margot was great. I, again, I think it's a good movie. I think it's got a lot of potential. And uh, But, you know, then again, they may kill it if they know that Harley Quinn doesn't do well. It'll be interesting to see how it's all unfolds. Yeah, you know, and, and I think, you know, they're supposed to make a movie called Gotham City Sirens, which would have, you know, Margot Robbie in it, too. And there's maybe a, a Joker, a Joker Harley Quinn. But the thing is, there's technically two Jokers in the Batman in the universe now, and the question is, now the Flash is going to do Flashpoint and make sense of the fact of why DC has done this a billion times, but, you know, and I guess there's always a way to write the ship, because Marvel can do it too, with the Spider-Verse and all that, but what do you think about that? I mean, Jared Leto is Joker, but Joaquin Phoenix is Joker. I think that Joaquin Phoenix's Joker is the best bet to merge these things and make them successful. Jared Leto's kind of like a, he's like a nightclub gangster rapper, materialistic gold tooth, 50 cent feel type of Joker. Do you like him as the Joker? Do you like his version? Yeah, I liked his version of the Joker. I thought he was a good Joker. There is a theory out there that he actually wasn't the actual Joker. There is a, uh, it, to get comic book nerdy on it, there was a death of Dick Grayson who was Robin. And um, and the reason why is the Joker actually got him at one point and essentially turned him into a Joker-type character. So there was a thought, at least I saw a couple of theories out there, that he actually wasn't the actual Joker, but he was this... Dick Grayson, you know, uh, I can't remember the name of the comic that's in it, but basically the Joker turns Robin, and I think it was from the animated series, if not wrong on that, but turned him into a Joker character. I thought he was great. I thought he was crazy. I thought he did a good role. I think he kind of didn't get the, um, I, I, he didn't get the screen time. I think that was the big problem. There was not enough of him in the movie, and they, you know, and I think they went to the simple, you know, Hail Mary throw that they always do with the Joker, and they just kind of go through it real quick. So I, but if it's me for my money, um, yeah, you got to put Joaquin in there uh, for sure. But that's the question if Joaquin even wants to do it. If he'd feel, you know, because now you're going to take Birds of Prey, which is a fun kind of colorful, more Deadpool-like movie, and then you've got something serious like the Joker. So how do you mis mesh those two worlds together? Because the Joker, and it obviously, you know, at the beginning of this podcast, we got so serious with it. But, you know, you see that, and then how do you pull that character in? Would Joaquin want to give the Joker that kind of lend himself to that kind of a movie you know what i mean yeah you know the prey is colorful and and it's more you know i, I you know i don't want to say slapstick but but it's it's more of a i don't know how you could take the seriousness of the joker and put it into the birds of prey I, and i don't know if you want to mess with the joker at all i just leave him by himself uh, bloodshot's also coming out on march 13th 2020 with vin diesel from valiant comics <laughs> I, I do I, I do want to get to one final point of Joaquin Phoenix's Joker meets Batman, his potential, maybe not, but maybe he actually is half-brother, and when he meets him, he is a little boy. And we know that this giant movement that the Joker accidentally caused by killing those, you know, D-bags on the subway, when he does that and, and you know, essentially creates this, this clown 
movement and this this movement of the rich are so rich and we are so poor and the the the, the divide is getting more and more and more vast. When this happens and the Joker accidentally creates this movement in Gotham City, that movement leads to the person who sees Thomas and Martha Wayne and Bruce Wayne down the alley. And so the Joker is indirectly but directly responsible for the death of Batman and, or the death of Batman's parents, but the essential creation. So the, we see the Joker, Joaquin Phoenix, responsible for the death of Bruce Wayne's parents, but also the birth of batman so the joker is the is responsible for the batman do you like that and do you like the fact that you know joaquin phoenix is what in his 30s 40s in this and batman is is a uh, is a young boy and so he's going to have to grow up and bruce wayne will have to become batman but he'll be becoming batman and be a teenager when the joker is just ripping apart gotham city i think that'd be awesome i would really like to see if they go that way with it um, I would love to see that Thomas Wayne is actually responsible for creating the Joker, and then the Joker kills his family who creates Batman, but then Batman finally finds out the truth about his own family, yeah. and how I would like to see, really, you go that kind of crazy with it. So I would almost like to see, because Batman is crazy. He's, he's a nut. And I would love to see that arc really deeply explored and almost see Batman kind of get pulled into this darker side of things, but maybe pulls out of it because his humanity finally takes over. Um, I would like to see Batman kill. I know Batman never kills, but I would like to see Batman kill and kind of explore that whole really dark night Frank M. Miller Batman where he's just really off his rocker because that would shake anybody to their core realizing that this guy was created by your father who ended up basically abandoning his own son, and this is your half-brother. That's a big, rich storyline. I hope they do that. Well, and that's the thing, is, is Batman is Joker without the killing. But like you said, if Thomas Wayne is responsible for creating Joker, Joker's responsible for creating Batman. Batman grows up in trying to take down people like the Joker, only to find out when he's holding him, uh, you know, when he's holding him by his, by, by his neck, up, you know, at the edge of a building for him to find out, you know, not only are we very similar, Batman, but I'm your brother. And to find all of that story, I mean, that would be a fantastic arc that DC fell right into that I would love for them to do. And Todd Phillips should be the top. You know, if Kevin Feige is the top of, of Marvel, then make Todd Phillips the top of DC for just doing all of that in one movie. But I, I would love to see that because ultimately – DC has been fantastic on television. It's been a laughing stock in the box office between the Dark Knight and what we just got now with Joker. So uh, I would love to see a change and to actually see something genuinely, uh, genuinely real and kind of cool matriculate uh, on on the screen where we can really get a feel for it would be awesome. So maybe, hopefully, but we'll get there eventually. For that being said, uh, Hunter and myself, Dan Chitora. We went all over the place today with a very, very deep and flavorful conversation, and we hope that you enjoyed it. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGTE Radio, which stands for We'll Get There Eventually. And, of course, you can find us on 
dtbmnetwork.podbean.com, and there'll be links to that all over the place, too, for the episodes as they come out every Friday at noon to join you on your TGIF lunch and all the way through. You can also go back and listen whenever you like to. So, you know, Hunter, I mean, thank you for this. Do you have any, I guess your final note should be the fact that you should be happy with the birds of prey because you're Hunter, and we have now found your Huntress. You know, it's funny. I've been called Huntress in the station all week long because of that. Uh, guys giving me grief. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, she was pretty cool. I, you gotta, you gotta love a girl that can work the arrow. It's not a crossbow. It's not a crossbow. She wants it's you to know not that. not a crossbow. Yes. <laughs> so, I appreciate it as always, Hunter. I look forward to talking with you soon. Uh, me too, Dan. Take care, man.